The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. As somebody said to me once, yeah, that remains to be seen. No, good morning, everybody. Like that. <laughs> Seriously, I don't know. There's this, there's, like this cyni- there's this cynical guy I know, and uh, I don't know. Are you talking about your uh, older brother or your younger brother again? No, no, he's he's a fairly uh, happy-go-lucky kind of guy. No, I think it's my irritable uh, irritable partner here on the show, but I could be wrong. But there's only two of us. <laughs> and you're not cynical. <laughs> you're not. I am the most cheerful person you've ever met. <sighs> and it's been that way for a long time. Absolutely. It's good of you to acknowledge it. I was actually starting to worry a little bit about, you know, your mind going from all the isolation due to the thing we're not going to talk about. But we don't, uh, we don't talk about that. This is hockey. This is not politics this is not uh i don't even know what it what it wouldn't be all i know is what it is and that's hockey as it should be so um we've got some stories to talk about play is uh, play is creeping closer where do you want to start hey it's been it it it's been a nice it, it it was a nice surprise when they announced it well surprise isn't the right word but it was nice when they finally announced it to know that hockey was coming back it's 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 taking longer than it than than i want it to obviously because i've just missed it but uh where do we start i mean could we pick on max kellerman and and how he doesn't That's- know when to keep his mouth shut i mean i know that he's on first take with Stephen a smith and Wait, wait, wait. A a program went by where Stephen A. Smith was not the bigger um, uh, exit to the digestive system. I'm sure that he is. I mean, Stephen A. Smith gets on his rants and 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 I know that they're set up for for public digestion. Um, but in this particular case, Max Kellerman, the 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 rotating host, because it wasn't always Max Kellerman. Uh, in fact, at one point it was Skip, whatever his name is, that's now over on Fox. Uh, I don't know wh- whoever he is. But anyway, Max Kellerman decided to um, make a lovely comment that uh, the the hockey is is – Nobody cares about it here in the United States of America. In fact, the the statement is, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but in the United States of America, no one really cares about hockey, Kellerman said. The old joke is, in every town, there's 20,000 hockey fans, and they all have season tickets. So the arenas are always sold out, but the TV ratings don't do anything. It's not one of the four major team sports. Ugh. Well, Max, when former co-workers, uh, actually, I don't know if she's former. She's not former. She still works at the Four Letter Network, I believe. But when somebody who hosts SportsCenter, uh, Linda Cohn, uh, comes out and says that it's insulting to the game and those are so, when your co-workers come out against you, you've screwed up. <laughs> and... I know that this man's name is going to come up again later in the show, but I have to mention it now only because it, he he isn't he is entertaining. Uh, he adds a, a a drop of the uh, uh, the alcohol to the to the punch at parties. Hockey is alive and well, Max Kellerman, former defenseman, Islanders coach and GM Mike Milbury tweeted. The MLB only has a steady viewership because men over the age of 70 use it as a sleep remedy. I prefer vodka. People love this sport around the world, something neither the NFL nor the MLB can say. Just ask Charles Barkley about our playoff. 
I like I like Mike Milbury, and if he's going to suggest that he uses vodka to help him sleep at night, more power to him. <laughs> Max, this was a this was a gaffe on your part. Hockey is one of the four major sports, whether you want to admit to it or not. And I don't know. Most of it is probably him just trying to get people to pay attention, uh, grab headlines. Uh, kind of like when I disagree with you. It, it, it's designed well, to make you look better because – you can't seriously disagree with me. That's impossible. I can and I do and, and a lot of times it's real. But sometimes it's just so that you know your sound bites are better. But in this case here, Max Kellerman, yeah, you're you're a fool because he never actually mentions which team, which sport is the fourth big sport in America. He, he doesn't seem to defend that part of it. Uh, I have to take I have to uh, on on face value. I have to take this as more of just uh, trying to. Drum up it's driving engagement. It, it that's that's all it is. It's. It, I mean, the four letter network airs enough uh, hockey games every year at this point that. I don't know. Do they even have hockey? They, I mean, it's all NBC. They used. No, to, they at one point not. in time had. They have the last two years. They've had multiple. They've had a good number of games. Really. Yes. I missed it. It's okay. That's no, why it's be- no, it's because I didn't think they had a contract to show any hockey games except for maybe international stuff or or amateur uh, competitions and, and tournaments. As far as NHL goes, I thought that was all NBC. Uh, it is mostly NBC. What they're usually doing is showing some of the regional games that are not being carried nationally. But um, okay, here's the thing. If the Four Letter Network didn't genuinely believe that uh, this was going to draw attention to him uh, to the lit network for the better, um, he would have been fired by now. ESPN has no loyalty to anyone. Um, you have to be you have to be one of their top three or four show hosts in order for, in order to have any sort of leeway there because um the folks in stanford are stanford are a little tiny bit peltish and fair enough and uh as a subsidiary of the mouse um yeah they they have plenty of lawyers and money to pretty much choose just about anyone who want who they want to work for them or not work for them well i don't think that this is in any way a fireable offense to begin with. I just found it interesting that, you know, somebody chose to come out and say, now, had he chose, had he come out and actually said that they are not and that soccer is, I mean, yes, soccer is a growing sport in this well, country. Soccer was a growing sport since both of us were, you know, in grade school. This is true. It's never going to be the, I mean, it's the number one sport around the rest of the world. It's only in this country that soccer is looked upon as as second rate. And part of the reason is that – Sort of like fifth rate. Yeah. Part of the reason is that you can't earn – you can't earn the cash here that you can playing in Europe. In Europe, they get paid in excess of – top players are getting like a couple hundred thousand pounds or – say $250,000 a week. So they're making the millions over there like our professional sports in baseball and and basketball and football do here. Soccer players here do not make that kind of cash. Not even close. Yes, it's revenue-based. I mean, this is is a country that sports attention is on multi-tool athletes. That's what it comes down to. And soccer just isn't that. Right. So in my opinion, yes, this is just Kellerman uh, being the setup man for Stephen A. Smith to come back with some kind of rant to oppose that. And he's not going to get fired over this. It was just in in a lack of in, in a vacuum of, of headlines that spur the imagination, we're left with parsing. Max Kellerman saying that hockey isn't one of the top four sports. 
is what it comes down to. Uh, I'm assuming I, I really am curious what he would assume is the top four sport. I mean, the, NASCAR. It's not hockey. Probably. Wait a minute. For him, it's probably boxing since he does boxing on. I think it's HBO. <laughs> oh right, with, because boxing's Jim. numbers have clearly shown that that is the sport that millions. Hey, I'm just taking. Them. I'm just taking a crack at it. He could come out and say NASCAR for all I know. <laughs> NASCAR is not a sport. It's not a sport if he can drive a car around and make left-hand turns. It's. It's not a sport if uh, it doesn't actually uh, – never mind. It's just not. <laughs> it's just not a sport. It, it's, a very, it's a very intense competition in yes. its own stultifying way, but it's just plain not a sport. I don't consider it a sport any more than I consider golf a sport. In fact, less so. Golf, it's – absolutely are about your hand-eye coordination, your application of force in exactly the right spot at exactly the right time. Wait, wait, uh, wait. That sounds like baseball. And yes, another thing that's a, technically a sport that I have no interest in watching. Ah. The last wait, time so I, there's no hand-eye coordination in hockey? There is a great deal of hand-eye coordination <laughs> and physicality and action and passion uh in hockey even if you do have to explain to your explain to people less enlightened uh, what icing is four times a game fair enough all right where do you want to go since we had a little fun with max um hmm. we have a very very early uh, and i say it's very very early because we don't know who's healthy and who's not Mm -hmm. Uh, Western conference preview out of the uh, review journal in, uh, in um, Vegas. And what do we think of these matchups? The golden Knights are among the top four Western conference teams. No kidding. And it's an interesting way to open the, open the article and mention the golden Knights since you're, you know, the Las Vegas Review Journal. Yes. Um, they have uh, in their in their early summaries they list the um, the betting lines for the Edmonton uh, Edmonton Chicago series first. Um, Edmonton number five at minus one fifty five. Chicago number twelve. Um, the two teams' records are Edmonton is at 35, 29, and, or 37, 25, and 9. Chicago is at 32, 30, and 8. Um, uh, Chicago has won uh, their regular season uh, series against Edmonton this year. Um, and, yeah, I think that Edmonton has the higher – talent bar overall. Um, uh, Edmonton has the higher ta- uh, talent bar overall, but I also pretty firmly believe that um, Edmonton, seriously? They have the higher talent bar, yes, but I will also say that as far as I'm concerned, they don't have the experience or the um, the, just uh, they don't have the playoff experience to be, uh, but to the, be as competitive. But is that um, in in some cases that necessary? I mean, I think playoff experience matters a lot more than than others do, and and for that matter, yes, I can see that even though they've got Drysaitel, even though they've got. Connor McDavid, and they are very talented individuals, and it's a okay team, but yep. uh, without playoff experience, yeah, I mean, to the, I guess my question with Edmonton specifically, in, in, in their case, would be, do you then decide to start Mike Smith instead of... Um, Koskinen, uh, Koskinen, or uh, what, Mika Koskinen, what, their other goal, to, their starter. Uh, 
because mm-hmm. Mike Smith has playoff experience, even though he's the quote unquote backup goaltender and uh, he's getting a little know. bit older. You, and uh, with the long pause uh, in the season, I think you have to go with whichever guy is hotter coming out of uh, training camp. And I don't, I know that there's all sorts of arguments for both. Mike Smith is, is a veteran and he's been around three quarters of forever at this point. Um, but he's been wildly inconsistent when mm-hmm. he's really good. When he's good, he's really good. When he's off, he's mm, not even worth playing or in some cases dressing. Okay. Um, so yeah, I I know it sounds like a cop out, but there's no, there's literally no way to predict how players are physically going to respond to almost five months off and then diving into playoff pace. You can't you cannot predict well, that's your mental. But that's I mean I would see it that way for all of the teams going into this year's. Uh, I mean. You've got the bottom 16 teams all playing a best-of-five series with playoff format overtime. So they're going to be their games are going to be played out until they're done. But the top eight teams are playing this round robin, and they're playing with regular regular season overtime rules. So they're not going to be playing. Nearly as much. I mean, you're you're setting up for later, and and I know we're not talking about later rounds, but you're setting up for later rounds where you could have a team that's played a lot more hockey, a team that has played a lot more hockey, potentially, than the higher-seeded team that they're going to face later on. I think that if, if teams allow the competition to stay in it in that round in that uh, best of five you know you have a if you have a best of five series where three of the games go to triple overtime and another one is at least double overtime um yeah you you played extra hockey and i think that that could that fatigue factor could start creeping in around the division uh, around the conference final um but yeah, I'm not a big fan. Uh, I mean, I think that there's there's going to be issues with any return to play format. I think this is probably the least volatile one that does exclude teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I still do not like the round robins potential to drop uh, the. I mean, drop uh, teams from uh, the spot that they spent 70 or so games securing in three games. I mean, did we not discuss a week or two ago the fact that uh, we shouldn't be surprised about Chicago beating Edmonton anyway? Yes, we did. I mean, you look at that team, and and as much as it's come down to two players and let's hope that the rest of the guys come together, but they've still got playoff experience you got Corey Crawford and Nett who's been there before obviously Taze and Kane um you're not getting Seabrook back but Duncan Keith has been there before mm-hmm. so we and it's like I said critical pieces for it's the critical pieces for Chicago that have the heavy that have the winning playoff experience Edmonton mm, I I Connor McDavid is a great player. Leon Dreisaitl is a great player. Um, have how many playoff rounds have they won? I understand. I'm not saying that they're going to win. I don't expect that they will. I think Chicago will beat them. Uh, as far as the Western Conference, <laughs> Nashville, Arizona could be intriguing. Um, I, I think that one has the most potential to get really ugly. Like ugly? Why? It, it. I don't think. I don't expect that it's going to be hugely physical. I don't think Arizona's as physical a team as they have been in the past. No, I. I, I think it could get dirty. Like really, guys are going to lose their tempers. Nashville, when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals and lost to Pittsburgh, they got broken. 
I, I've said it ever since then. They have not been the same team, personal turnover or no. They are not the same club they were when they walked into that series. Um, the players don't approach the game the same way. Um, Arizona, on the other hand, those guys have been scrapping to get back into the playoffs, in some cases their entire career. Um, you've got Bill Kessel and Taylor Hall, um, who both have something to prove at this point. Um, Phil Kessel, for every any criticism you can make about him, is a proven playoff performer. He's he did it he did it when he was here in Boston. He did it in Pittsburgh. Um, you just can't take it away from him. Healthy Taylor Hall, which hopefully he actually will be once he gets to step onto the playoff ice. Um, I don't think that that's something that you can discount. Like there, this team, this has the potential for lots of cheap, dirty play once the teams get engaged. Okay. Um, as far Vancouver. as in it, I mean Nashville has the better defense. Uh, their goaltending, I don't know. I really don't know because I I, I, th- I think we're getting closer to seeing you say Saros as the number one. I I like Pecorine. I'm I'm not saying he's done, but you're saying I think that I think that I think that Saros is going to be uh, the number one sooner rather than later. Uh, whereas the one thing Arizona does have is <laughs> decent goaltending. The problem with them is they don't score a lot. <laughs> Yes, which, uh, I mean, Phil Kessel has, Phil Kessel, Taylor Hall, they can get the young guys on that team, which Taylor Hall really isn't anymore, um, to join the party and press a little bit harder in the offensive zone and the neutral zone. Yeah, I I think that they can break out of this. And they're going to have the most practice time, at least in small groups, that we've seen in the NHL in five or six years uh, heading into this. They're going to have the most together time because you're going to be stuck in a hotel for six months. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. I think that – I think you could see at the, at the end of this, you're going to see Vancouver with a, a – uh, moving on, I guess you could say, in, into the regular playoffs. I think you're going to see Vancouver. I think you're going to see Chicago. Uh, the most interesting one is that Calgary-Winnipeg one. Can can Winnipeg outscore... Oh, there they go. Can Winnipeg outscore Calgary? Calgary's got... Calgary's got some some goal scorers. They've been they're not on the same pace as they were last year though. I mean last year Elias Lindholm was was having a ridiculous season, had 90, 90 plus points on the season. Uh, Monahan was playing this year. Their their numbers are all down across the board. I think even Gaudreau's numbers are down. Their goaltending is a question mark because Riddick and his backup Cam Talbot. I mean Cam's been there before. And Riddick has been Riddick was pulled last year during the playoffs in favor of Mike Smith. Uh, but Winnipeg's not the same team either. Their defense has changed as we've talked about in the past. Yep. Um, they don't have Bufflin. Nope. They do. And the one thing they do still have is Shifley, Line A, Kyle Connor, Blake Wheeler. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I could go on and on with the forwards. I think uh, it, I think that one might actually come down to goaltending, like it says in the article. And I think that if that's the case, I think Hellebuck wins that going away. He should. Um, I think what I think something that's going to be interesting is um, Jeff Ward, who was an assistant coach here, uh, going back a few years. Um, yep. He's the interim coach in Calgary right now. Uh, he, let's see, uh, he took over in November. 
I really wonder how much of a chance he got to implement a great deal of change before uh, the, se- the season pause. And I think a factor for all of these teams, uh, well, these teams and whoever in the East, is uh, the players' ability, uh, especially for those lower tier teams, to shake off whatever negativity they had um, when you have a coach um, who's wearing the interim tag for as long as Jeff Ward will have worn it. I mean, honestly, it's, it's just barely possible. He'll be the interim coach next November and only have coached like 50 games. It's, it's actually possible that he could run what is essentially, or at least in tenure, the same time period as a regular, a full regular season with, under the interim tag, but shaking up the negativity and the distraction and all of the real life stuff going on in the world. That's more important than, but not nearly as entertaining as hockey. Um, before they get back on the ice, um, mm-hmm. it's going to be huge. And Calgary had a good amount of neg- negative negativity. Um, I think Winnipeg had, more confusion and just getting to know each other with the huge back end uh, turnover than pure negativity. But yeah, Minnesota, I fully, well, I think Vancouver is a better team given where much of the real life stuff that we don't talk about on this show happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of wonder if we don't see them decide to rally the same way we saw Vegas uh, a few years ago when there was that incident in town uh, just before their inaugural season. Okay. Uh, I mean, this this could be in this in theory could be the most interesting postseason in decades. Uh, Different as it is for obvious reasons, yeah, it, it certainly makes for some interesting matchups. That would we have seen some of these matchups? Uh, and I mean, oh, would we have seen? Not. Would we have seen Montreal appearing in the East with a with a shot at this? And, and not that I'm trying to jump conference, you know, conferences here. Just. In general, I mean, Montreal, I didn't think, was in line to get there. Uh, Arizona, at the beginning of the season, we both thought was going to be in. And they were within a couple of points. Uh, I'm glad that I'm glad they're doing it this way because it allows those teams that had a chance at the end of the season within a point or two of, of yeah. that second wild card spot. That's why I'm glad they're doing it this way. Uh, I know that some of the teams and some of the executives weren't too happy about it especially with the round robin in the at the with the round robin for the top eight teams uh i like it only because it those teams that like would arizona with their final 10 12 games would they have garnered enough points to get into a wild card one or two Uh, i honestly think that they would have uh we can't guarantee it obviously but i think that they would have um, and for me, that's one of the satisfying things. I know I not, it's mostly the round Robin that I'm not particularly satisfied with as far as, um, I know it's not on the agenda, but just why I, it, I, do, it, I do not think that even with the pause that it's better for the NHL to, uh, to take away what teams worked the entire regular season for, even if it's an abbreviated regular season, in three games, um, simply as a sort of, you know, sa- uh, just sop to, you know, the pause. It, but, it doesn't. But my question is, were the Bruins so far ahead in points that nobody could have caught them for number one overall? Uh, the odds of it? Pretty low. I mean, they finished the regular season, or they finished what turned out to be the regular season. Um, let's see. 
in the conference. In the conference, they were eight points with 12 games remaining uh, each ahead of Tampa. Um, more regulation wins, uh, three more regulation wins, three more regulation or overtime wins, mm-hmm. um, and a better goals differential than Tampa Bay. Um, Washington was two points behind them with one game less. Uh, Philadelphia, a third point behind um, with one game less. The Western Conference, uh, St. Louis had 94 points in 71 games. And Colorado had 92 points in 72 games. Um, neither with more regulation wins or regulation or overtime wins. So, yeah, the odds were absolutely in the Bruins' favor. Um, so as president's trophy champions, would they have had home ice throughout the play without throughout the playoffs? Yes. Right. That, and, that and is, I believe about just the Bruins. I don't think it's fair to St. Louis either. St. Louis as defending champions ignored the, uh, ignored the whole playoff, uh, hangover and showed up, stood up and put up, uh, they they finished first in the Western Conference uh, for the regular season, and they have the potential to drop all the way to fourth. But the Bruins played in the same number of games as the St. Louis Blues. Yes, they and did. They're, and they're back in the same position as well. Actually, they finished higher this season than they did last season because last season they weren't the President's Trophy winners. So not only did they survive the hangover, but they improved on their on their finishing performance. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't think that St. Louis deserves to drop out of first in the West. They should have playoff. They should have home ice advantage. Not that it matters all that much, uh, in a neutral site setting, but I, and I agree. I agree with all. I, 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 I guess I see both sides of it. I, I agree that, the Bruins should not lose what they accomplished. Yes, there are there were still ten or twelve games left, depending on who your team was. There were anywhere between ten and twelve games left in the regular season. I don't think that because you ended it early, you should be taking what has been earned away from those squads. However, I also understand why they're doing it, and they're saying that unless the Bruins were so far ahead that no team would have caught them. If Which there I, is a if there was a slim chance that somebody could have caught them, they could have gone on a bad loser. They could have gone on a losing streak. Yes, it's against the possibility, I mean, but the possibility still would exist that they could have lost four games in a row, just had a bad streak of whatever. And Tampa Bay being the goal scoring juggernaut that they are defense defensively, and then. Not as good, but goal scoring wise, they they can bring it with the best. Is it possible? It's a slim possibility. So I understand why they're doing it. They're trying to make it. They're trying to make it entertaining for the people viewing. But in this case, yeah, I think that they should have left it alone. Uh, that the Bruins, as the as the Presidents Trophy winners, deserve to be. To have home ice, yes, the Blues should not lose their number one spot. But what do you do? Just freeze those two teams and have the rest of them play against each other for seeding? Uh, I, I, I would have actually had all thirty teams resume or thirty-one teams resume and let the bottom five play for better chances in the lottery, or the bottom teams play for better chances in the lottery. So you would have had the last ten, twelve games of the regular season. Honestly, I don't know how much te- how much time difference it makes um, in terms of the league uh, schedule. It's doing those last ten or twelve games, particularly at neutral sites where you can eliminate travel, um, and I think with the additional involvement of all the teams, you're getting theoretically better TV revenue by getting all of the games or all of the games in. I'm not going to disagree with that one. That that. I, I think that the more teams you have, the more viewers you have, the more TV networks you're going to have buying in. Absolutely. I mean, 
Sure. If someone wants to show me numbers that say, nope, this is uh, this format is going to be better for the league uh, financially, uh, meaning that the players, this, the people who are working the arena, well, actually, the people not working the arenas. Well, clearly the format's not going to stay the same once we're back to uh, full seasons and whatnot. They're not. This isn't going to be the format going forward. This is just for this year, obviously. Yes, we hope. Yeah, we hope. Because <laughs> if you, well, the thing is, if you're going to do a format, if you're going to do a playoff set, set up this way, then why have an 82 game regular season? Ding, ding, ding. Um, okay. Why not have a bunch Good of running Who? There is actually a reason to look forward to a Monday morning. No, there isn't. Yes, there actually is. Oh, goodness. It's kind of staggering. It's slightly confusing. And it's long overdue. Mm-hmm. The Las Vegas Golden Knights will be back on the ice, small team, uh, small unit practice Monday morning. Like tomorrow? Uh, yeah, the day after today, uh, June eighth, twenty twenty. It's still small group workouts, uh, from what I understand. They can't have what more than six on the ice at a time or something like that. Yes. Uh, team intent and it says here, yeah, team intends to allow players into City National Arena first day. Small group workouts are permitted under phase two of the NHL's return to play plan. Say that five times fast. Uh, guidelines say workouts are voluntary, limited up to six players at a time, plus a limited number of staff, coaches, and hockey operations personnel are allowed to observe but not participate in any on ice skates. So is this in any way and organized like when we go to when we go to development camps the the exercises the 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 drills are organized they're they're regimented is this going to be any kind of a regimented practice or is this just going to be six guys getting out on the ice skating around shooting pucks at somebody um i think there's going to be some i think it's going to be slightly more intense than a, or slightly more Focus than a captain's practice, but probably not to the level of rigor of the uh, of the development camps that we've seen. If, okay. I, 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 it sounds to me like uh, you know the it sounds to me like the trainers will be out there with whoever's injured, or just just seeing if you know people have developed any bad quirks in their movement. But it doesn't look like uh, you're going to be seeing. Uh, you know, face-off drills or, you know, battle drills and things like that uh, any time in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, and some of the questions I have about this is, aren't even answered. I mean, is this a – is any physical contact – I mean, hockey is a physical sport. Is any physical contact – I can't imagine they're going to want to be physical the first couple of days anyway. It's been three months since they've been uh, – in any kind of physical contact practices, games, whatever. I can't imagine that the first couple of days they're going to want to get out there hitting everybody. But, I mean, and is it six total or is it six on the ice at a time? Could there be six, another group of six waiting in the wings, another six group waiting in the locker room? I mean, uh, how, I specific, how specific does this get? Yeah. I don't think we know yet. Um, I think it's going to be probably, I mean, the way that I would interpret it is put, have six guys arrive, you know, you figure out how long it takes, um, to sanitize the locker room, how long it takes to, uh, get the guys dressed and undressed and then out to the ice. And, you know, you give 25 minutes, 35 minutes for, of lead time for, uh, the you have the first set come in, you give the about right amount of lead time for set two to come in, um, so you can rotate through you know four or five six groups uh, during your hour or during your time in the building. Um, but I suspect it's going to be just the six on the ice or in the training room uh, at any given time. 
um, and not six in the training room and six in the six on the ice. No, that's my suspicion. I would probably have to contact the league's offices for clarification. I'm curious. I'm curious to see if TV. I'm curious to see if somehow the, the. they, they get these practices on TV uh, when they become a little bit more organized. I mean, clearly you're not going to bother with the first <laughs> or maybe training camp or something. Look, real hockey is actually taking place. <laughs> what, you don't want to watch uh, bloopers real uh, worthy events? Uh, I just, well, that would, I, I'm, I would be entertained. <laughs> we both know that I would, the answer to that for me is yes, I would watch. There you go. It's hockey. I mean, how many times can we watch the how many times can you watch the same playoff series? I mean, some of the networks around here, the, the New England Sports Network there, they're showing Bruins games from like the 1980s with names on the backs of jerseys that I don't remember, let alone recognize. <laughs> Yeah, I suspect that there's pl- well, there's players in those teams who stopped playing before several of our listeners were born. <laughs> it's uh, a good possibility as well. Ah, uh, what what else do we have? I mean, it's exci- it's nice that we actually have live hockey come back. I'm I'm thrilled by it. Uh, let's go over to uh, Buffalo where. Oh, we're going to talk about a local boy. Yes. Uh, what is it? North Chelmsford or Chelmsford? I forget which. Uh, let's go with Chelmsford. At least at least oh, we'll have... Chelmsford Metropolitan Region. Sure. There we go. He's <laughs> apparently fed up with watching everyone else in the Stanley Cup playoffs, though. Uh, now, how could that possibly happen? I mean, he's playing for such an awesome team with committed players... A general manager or a front office that's uh, excellent at finding him support staff and ownership who clearly is drilled in on what it takes to succeed both in the NFL and the NHL. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, clearly this is just someone having a tantrum and who doesn't understand or appreciate, you know, good hockey. Or, you know, maybe Mike Harrington's on to something. Well, if you agree with the notion that the Sabres are wasting some of their captain's fine years early in his career, history backs up your viewpoint. Wait a minute. Mike Harrington wrote those same exact words. What are the chances? He's played five seasons, 354 games without reaching a postseason. And I love the things that he has listed down here under consider. Not a single skater in the Hockey Hall of Fame whose career began in the post-1967 expansion era has missed the playoffs in his first five years of his career. Not one. That doesn't... Among the top 50 scorers of all time, none of them went 0 for 5 either. Oh, this is not good for Jack. Among the top 50 active scorers, only Taylor Hall and Dustin Brown played on teams that failed to make the playoffs for that long after coming into the league. Now, Brown has since won two Stanley Cups, and Hall yes. is scheduled to make just his second playoff appearance. This is kind of, yeah, this is some freaky... The trend uh, here, the trend trends. here is terrible for him. Yes. Um, this is not good for him at all. And let's be honest. Uh, on most teams in the league, you can name the best player, and then the second best player, and after that, uh, and get pretty wide consensus across uh, league observers, team observers. Mm-hmm. On the Buffalo Sabres, you can name the best player. And you'll get, what, four names, maybe five as potential number twos. Uh, I mean, Jeff Skinner, when healthy, when healthy, is probably the number two. In all honesty, I think if you, if you, if you polled... Buffalo Sabres fans in Buffalo, I think that the first name you would get clearly is Jack Eichel. I think the second name you'd get would be Rasmus Dahlin. That's likely. Um, the third name you would get would be the most hated Buffalo Sabre in Rasmus Ristolainen. 
I don't know that I don't think you'd get him uh, listed among the best players, but oh, among the best players, I'm just talking about recognizing players on the team. Oh, Forget no, no, about no. who the best is. No, no, but uh, bear with me for a second. OK, uh, most cities, you ask player, you ask people, number one, number two players, you get pretty solid consensus on those players. You ask the number three and you tend to get like three or four names. After the number three, you get to number three in Buffalo. It's like eight guys. There's no depth to this team. You've got a superstar, a really, really good one healthy winger. Um, you've got one defenseman who is probably above league average. And then you've got a bunch of other players. And that's it. I'm not saying they're all terrible. I'm not saying that, you know, it's an ECHL team with four NHL players uh, along for the ride. But I'm saying that there's no clear depth. You can't say, okay, Jack isn't getting it done against this guy. Or we want to save Jack from that forward or defenseman who is so physical and it's just wearing him down. Um, let's put out this guy and let them, let them, uh, try and work that guy over because essentially he's the last guard at the gate. There's, there's, there's no one coming. He's got the army in front. He's got an army in front of him and relief. He's got a bunch of townspeople carrying buckets of water. The, uh, the, Speech has become an issue. Hold on a second. There we go. It says here, and I agree. And I agree with this. Uh, one player simply doesn't make the kind of difference in hockey that he can in the NBA or baseball. And I agree with that. I don't know about oh, baseball, absolutely. but but in the NBA, having a superstar. I mean, nowadays they claim that you need at least two superstars on a team to win a championship in the NBA. I still think that one plus a few very good players will do the same thing. You can't do that in hockey. You can't do that. You have to have you talent to- around. Yes, you can have a Jack Eichel, but you have to have other ta- other high-end talent. Let's put it this way. Ray Bork had, depending on when in his career you're talking, he had Ray Bork, Adam Oates. Uh, I mean, he had Cam Neely, Adam Oates, um, who were both at least borderline Hall of Famers. Um, but those teams were still, but those teams were still making playoffs. They just they didn't win cups. But he still couldn't win the cup with those guys. I mean, the argument was that the argument back then was that uh, Jacobs, Jeremy Jacobs, was happier just making the playoffs to get the extra revenue you get from being a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Actually, winning a cup was not a solid goal. I mean, yeah, okay, hey, we make the playoffs, we can win the cup, but the 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 impression was that back then Jeremy Jacobs was more concerned with just getting to the second season than actually winning a Stanley Cup for the team. That would have been like gravy, but they were strictly playing to make the second to make that second season to make the playoffs. Yes. So they could get the additional revenue. Uh, if you watch some of those teams, they had talent uh, I don't know that they necessarily had the best goaltending at times, uh, or did but, they have? Or maybe they didn't have better than one or two defensemen. You know, Ray Bork and one other defenseman, and the rest of them were all a bunch of mm, well, I can name them now. You know, type of thing. I, you have to have other talent on that. And there they go. You have to have other talent on the team. I mean, when they drafted Rasmus Dahlin after their 31st place finish in 2018, they still haven't broken 80 points. Yeah. I mean, Botterill is trying to do the patient route. Tim Murray before him tried to rush it by, and and it says here, you know, tried to rush it, brought in Ryan O'Reilly. You bring in a guy like Ryan O'Reilly and you still can't get there. You got a Vander Kane, you got Robin Leonard in net who wasn't happy. They 
they didn't do anything with the defense. They had Rasmus Ristolainen and you had a bunch of other guys that nobody knows who they were. That, and that's the issue. They don't. They have not built depth in the past ten years. I mean, the the last playoff team I believe they had was either the year before the Bruins won the Stanley Cup, or or useful playoff team was either the year before the Bruins won the Stanley Cup, uh, or the year they won. Um, it's just uh, remember Chara had got that. Uh, wicked hand injury where he ended up losing feeling in uh, a couple of fingers because of nerve damage. Yeah. I mean, it, when they questioned and when they questioned Eichel on this, he did a Zoom call and it's a, you know, Harrington says here, uh, he thought Botterill needed to bring in more veteran players. The weight of all his annual spring inactivity is clearly weighing on Jack. He said, listen, I'm fed up with losing. I'm fed up and I'm frustrated. It's definitely not an easy pill to swallow right now. It's been a tough couple of months. It's been a tough five years with where things have went. And English might be. A, um, is bringing in a bunch of, of, of veteran free agents the answer, though? Uh, clearly, they're not drafting well. And every Stanley Cup contender has that mix of homegrown and acquired talent. It's just the way it works. No, I understand that. And yes, bringing in bringing in talent is something that, I mean, needs to be done at times. I did, even even if you're just bringing in talent to be depth players. I mean, but in this case, they need top tier talent to be brought in. They need the well. The first thing they need to find is a middle of the roster. They need to find that number two center, that number, that number okay. three winger, that second pair of defense. Um, a, a, a true starting goaltender, a oh. true number one, or at least somebody who plays that way. Like I said, Carter Hutton, not necessarily. Uh, if they really are waiting on Omar to be the number one. Have we seen enough of him to say, well, maybe not? Uh, but I agree. They, they There's holes all over that franchise at this moment. I mean, let's look at some of the UFA signings uh, for Jason, uh, for, for Botterill. We have uh, Jeff Skinner, who was re-signed to a contract last June. Mm-hmm. Marcus Johansson, July of last year. Carter Hutton, okay. Chad Johnson, okay, who they had for a year, a one-year contract. Benoit Pouliot? Benny Pooh. Yeah, Scott Wilson, who I believe was either bought out or is riding, uh, or is riding the bus down in the AHL. Um, Taylor Lair, John Gilmore, Dalton Smith, Curtis Lazar. Uh, Andrew Hammond and the rest get even more unrecognizable. Um, what? Uh, this isn't. This isn't good. You've got. Okay. You've got four legitimate NHL players, maybe five, four, and then a bunch of AHL fodder. You can't do that. You can't do that with a bottom tier team and expect to move up. If you're a if you're a playoff contender and you're finding maintenance fixes, maintenance people who are going to keep your roster at the same level, sure. Uh, you know, adding a guy, adding that one or two guys who are you know okay at their position, will get it done. But when you're a bottom tier team, you need to find the middle of your roster, the top of your roster, and the bottom of your roster will find itself. Okay. So Nathan Bolio wasn't a good signing. Who? Exactly. Uh, I, and these are the UFA signings that uh, that I'm talking about. Uh, the RFAs are a little more interesting. We talked about the trades in Buffalo under Botterill, and those are... No, I... Um, 
I agree. I just it it's hey, they signed Seth Griffith back in 2017. They had him, he had him for one year. Yay. I, that's what I'm saying. It, it, yes. The names on this list as far as UFAs, it's just mm, pressing. No. Yes. Literally depressing. As a hockey fan, as an NHL, as a longtime NHL observer, looking at that list makes me queasy. But if they trade, if they trade Jack Eichel, they may as well just what shut down the franchise. I mean, shut, uh, just move it to Quebec. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, I heard rumors, and they are literally just rumors. Uh, a while back that ownership had uh, some pretty peculiar requirements or non-useful non-hockey related requirements for uh, players. And I will have to see if I can dig, uh, dig those up sometime in the next week or two and talk about them. If they're true, it, it probably is greatly interfering with, uh, with Buffalo's rebuild. At this point, Detroit's rebuild is going to take less time. Um, and I probably have and, – and I no, not probably. I definitely have a lot more confidence in Eisenman being able to rebuild Detroit. At this point, Seattle is going to make the playoffs ahead of uh, Buffalo. Wow. There's a statement. I'm trying but to think if I actually – going to make the playoffs ahead of Buffalo? I'm trying to think if I actually agree with that. That's a possible – I mean <laughs> – Going on past history, it's true because, well, Las Vegas did it in their first year. So <laughs> so if you go on past history and recent past history, that would be true. But uh, they gelled together. And I don't know if it was the shooting back then and, and it just forced them to all become that much closer. I don't know how it worked, but that team gelled very quickly and the chemistry that they had was developed very quickly, which put them in a, in a very unique situation as, as far as making the playoffs. Buffalo just, they don't have it. There's no cohesiveness. There's no, and, and it's the, you bring in a guy like Evander Kane and then let him go. You get Robin Leonard in net and then you let him go. I mean, there's a reason that you're letting the stars go that you're bringing in. Even I mean, even Chad Johnson went there and had or left here and had a great couple of years and gets to Buffalo and does what? I I, I just do not understand this franchise and what they're doing to players and to themselves. I flat out don't understand, and I really hope that someone will enlighten me at some point. You and me both. Uh, what's next on the docket? Both. Do we have more stuff on the docket? Oh, let's see. Um, we always have more stuff on the docket. It's that's the problem. The problem is we usually have too much stuff on the docket. Um, there's a very long article which we can leave until next week. Uh, regarding the NHL calendar, um, KPD has decided to uh, expend, enlighten us. Uh, expend expe- many thousand, many dozen words, uh, saying uh, you know two paragraphs worth of stuff. Or do you just want to do some self, self, some self vindication? Oh, I almost forgot about that one. Yeah, I figured I'd remind you. <laughs> so NHL.com um, did a redraft uh-huh. of the Golden Draft. They did. It looks kind of like a draft that some podcast that I don't remember the name of actually did too. That's only because of the number one pick. Let's not get carried away. All right, your no. arm, don't break your don't break your arm, man. No, uh, Bufflin moved up into the first round. Um, Weber yeah. moved up into the first round. Yeah. Places I, that I put them. I certainly did not have Brent Burns at number six. 
Uh, yeah, that one a little bit surprises me. Um, but they have they moved they moved Yaro Halak into the top into the first round, right yep. about where I had him at number twenty. Uh, my surprise here was the Bruins drafting Jimmy Howard at number twenty one. Mm, okay. Uh, I see Jimmy Howard didn't even make my draft. <laughs> I know. Mine either. If I'm your draft either, and you're nope. a much bigger fan. Uh, but they did bump up Mahal. They did bump. They did bump down Mahalik, but left him in the first round. Uh, one guy that I had, you didn't. Lee Stempniak. They put him in the first round, drafted at thirty. I, I, there is some vindication, and and when you redraft this draft, if you leave out these players, uh, for the most part, yeah, Bergeron number one. Now. Didn't you spend about 15 minutes implying that I was being a homer for uh, putting Bergeron at number one? I was. Yeah. You are. Uh, no. it, it, it's still a belief. Whether they did it or not, it's still – you did it because you're a homer. Uh, no, I did it when I st- – I, I wrote down my three or four rules for what I wanted from the draft. Yes, you number did. One, number one how, about how I was going to weight it was individual accomplishment. He's accomplished at the NHL level. He's accomplished at the Olympics. He's accomplished at world championships. There's not much more you can say. I'm not disagreeing. I don't have a problem with being, I don't have a problem with him being number one. I would have, I tried to establish my own set of rules, but I also screwed myself over because I started drafting based on need for the team that would have been picking at that time. And that's how I ended up leaving Bergeron at like second or third or wherever the heck I put him. And you want to pull I up my? You, I honestly, I honestly remember the numbers being like twenty four or something like that. But hey, I did not put Bergeron at twenty four. Nice try. Twenty seven. <laughs> twenty seven. You are a funny man. Hey, now I'm top of the show. I am the happiest, most positive person alive. Uh huh. Oh, I have Bergeron at four. My apologies. I had Stahl first, Getzlaff second, Suter third, Bergeron fourth. Yeah. Actually, I had Halak lower than 20th. Wow. But I had Stepniak at 30th. Look at that. I mean, but they, if you look at our list and the players that we included in the first round and you look at what they included, I think that, yes, we got it right. There's I got probably, Shea Weber at sixth. They have him at fifth. You know, things like that. Carter yeah, there's probably, Kyle's. as far as the 30 and 31, our, we did our list of 31. They did 30. Um, I think there's probably, what, 27 names overlap? Easily. Pavelski, I mean, Pavelski at eight, and I had Pavelski at seven. I mean, it, Where did I put him, 10? Something like that, yeah. I mean, we're... Basically, yeah, the overlap is is close enough that we got it right. <laughs> One of us did. You well, can't get a draft right if you don't do the first pick for first. Oh, pick. stop it! <laughs> yes, you've broken your arm enough. Okay, we don't need to talk about this anymore. You, your arm hey, is. I wasn't talking about me. Arm is pleasantly broken. There you go. I wasn't talking about me. I was just pointing out that, you know, the top of the draft is the most important part. Yes, but how how close are you on any other players besides number one? I would have to be – I would have to look at my list, but I did see hey, a couple that I thought were in the same spot. I had Brent Burns at 27. <laughs> Which is possibly still too high. Significantly, significantly not the same as being in sixth. That's true. <laughs> I mean, Ryan Kessler, I had him at 13. They have him at 16. I mean, it, it, I got Vanek wrong because I put Vanek at the bottom. I'm not sh- – yeah, Vanek was very near the bottom for me. Um. Okay. So oh, yeah. what we have left is just a few minutes because both of us have – a lot of other stuff to do today. Um, anything else you want to cover, cover, or do we just want to make a quick mention and scoop? Let's do the quick mention and scoop because I think that 
that KPD's story is going to need a little bit of digestion. Okay. Um, we all know what's going, what's been going on in the country um, the last week or so. Um, we read a statement from uh, Blake Wheeler. Uh, in the time, a number of people have spoken up um, or done more. Um, while you're listening to the, while you're listening to the next show or going about your day, take five minutes. And if you haven't seen it already, look at what uh, Patrice Bergeron has done, um, a statement from P.K. Subban, and then um, just Google Zdeno Chara's name and Boston and see what you find out. Um, that's all I'm going to say, because this is a hockey show, not a not hockey show. And that's that's it. Chris? I'm inclined to agree. This is a we we try to keep it on topic here as far as we managed to avoid talking about um, that that should not be named for the last three months, even though it interfered with uh, our lives. Everything. And yeah, I think that uh, look up what these guys are doing. Look up what these guys are done in the in, in the headlines, especially Chara. Uh, and just give it a quick read and digest it. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, thank you for listening. Share uh, widely. Um, you can hit me at at uh, PuckSage on Twitter. Chris? Uh, oh, I'm at the off wing on Twitter. Awesome. Uh, Y'all have a great day and uh, take care.